Let me lead us in prayer. We thank you, Father, so much that we have the Bible and you use the Bible by your spirit to teach us, to encourage us, to rebuke us, to train us in righteousness. And we ask tonight that you would help us to know you more as we look at your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're looking at two verses, verses 13 and verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 1. The topic is our spiritual guarantee. And I want to start by asking you whether or not you have ever been tricked by fake news. If you read your news on Facebook or on YouTube, chances are you've read a news story that actually isn't true. Nowadays, anybody can make a website, give it a kind of a news sort of name, and they can publish news that can distort the truth. But you might think, who cares? Does it really matter that there is such a thing as fake news? Is the hype about fake news just more fake news, perhaps? Well, it seems that fake news may be powerful enough to change the outcome of elections. The article published in the Washington Post reviewed some evidence and concluded that fake news may well have cost Clinton the presidency. How about that? And fake news may also damage Trump's reputation enough to lead him to defeat in 90 days' time. Fake news is a thing. It is powerful. And the reason that fake news matters is because words are very powerful. People's lives are changed when they choose to believe or to not believe a message. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can kill. That is why cyberbullying is so dangerous. And it's also why encouragement is so powerful and so pleasant and so beautiful. A kind and positive word can change someone's life forever. Like when someone says to you, wow, well done. Or maybe they look you in the eye and they say, I love you. Words are powerful. Now when someone says something... We all have a choice. I don't know if you've thought about that or before. But when someone says something, we need to decide whether or not their words are true, are true or not. The act of speaking requires a degree of trust. And that's why radio and TV stations like to have slogans like, News you can trust. It's like, ah, okay. Now, when someone says something, we've actually got to work out if they're trustworthy or not. And so, do we trust our doctor when she gives us a diagnosis? Or do we say, ah, they're just inventing it? Or they're just trying to sell more tablets? Do we trust our mechanic when he tells us that we need costly car repairs? Or do we think, nah, he's just wanting a bit more work to pay for his bills? Do we trust our friends when they rebuke us for our sinful behaviour? Or do we say, oh, what would you know? You're a hypocrite. Do we trust our family members 
when they tell us that they love us? Or do you think, oh, you're just saying that? When someone says something, we need to work out if they are trustworthy. The speech act requires trust. And the choice to believe or doubt that word will have life-changing consequences. If we doubt the doctor, we might die from a preventable heart disease. If we doubt the mechanic, we might end up blowing our engine. If we doubt our friends, we might drift away from our faith. If we doubt our family members, we might end up in despair. Words are very powerful and they require trust. That is why the word of God is so powerful. And in particular, it is the good news about Jesus that truly changes lives. And so the most important thing that anyone can do is to repent and believe the good news of Jesus. This whole thing about the good news, capital G, good, capital N, news, is what we're going to zero in on tonight as we look at the Bible. We're going to be looking at the third of our 17-week journey through the New Testament book of Ephesians that the Apostle Paul wrote. We started in the first eight verses in week one. And in there, you might remember if you were with us, we saw all the incredible blessings. It's like blessing, 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 blessing. Woo! Look at those blessings. And then, and in particular, in verse 3, we saw that the God our Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We are just blessed beyond our dreams, blessed beyond our imaginations. Then last week, we looked at verses 9 to 12 as we saw God's amazing plan. Remember what the amazing plan was? The amazing plan was to bring all things under one head, even Christ, all things under the lordship of Christ. And what's more, we saw that the plan had a twist to it. And that is that God was going to have the word go to the Jews first. And when the Jews believed Jesus, those who did believe Jesus would then tell the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And that is what we are going to unpack tonight as we look at just two verses, just verse 13, just verse 14. And when we do that, we will see the power of God's good news, God's good news that changes the world. God's good news changes the world. Let me read out to you from verse 13 to 14. In fact, we'll go back one verse. Uh, I think we've got time. We're going to read verse 12 and 13 and 14. Have a look at the screen. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Now, when I was reading that out, did you notice that I got a bit involved with those personal pronouns, you know, the we's and the you's and the us? You think, why am I accentuating these key things? Really, really important. 
one of those blink it and you will miss it bits. Because what we see is that God is, that the Apostle Paul starts in verse 12 talking about himself. We Jews, I'll rewind, have a look. I'll click the back button, have a look. The God's purpose was that we Jews. That's the first bit. And then he says, and now you Gentiles. See, we and then you. And then a bit further on, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Why am I bothering with all this? It's really important. You've got to see. It's first for the Jewish Christians. Like I said last week, all those people who grew up being Jews in every single way, they were God's special people, the first people. And Jesus came for them. We, we read in the start of John's Gospel, he came to those who were his own. But his own did not recognize him. First for the Jews, so that the Jews would say, hey, you're the ultimate Jew. You're the Jew of all Jews. You are the king of the Jews. And I'm going to follow you. And the very limited number who did were the first ones, the we Jews. And the we Jews did something to pass it on to the you, which includes me, non-Jews. I'm not Jewish. I've got Scottish ancestry. There's not a Jewish bone in my body. So how do I get all the good stuff that the Jews have got? The Jewish Christians, that is. How do I get the good stuff from the Jewish Christians to the non-Jewish Christians like me? Have a look at verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews, this is Paul, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. How did it spread from the Jews to the non-Jews? How did the non-Jews get to plug into everything that the Jewish Christians have got into? Well, it's all about a promise. It's about hearing the truth. See, a promise can change the world. When someone promises something to you and you believe them, that promise can change absolutely everything. People have heard the truth about Jesus Christ, and that is the good news. Our Bibles, the New Living Translation, has the words good and news with a capital letter. The G, good, capital N, news. Other Bibles use a more technical Christian kind of word called gospel. Have you ever heard the word gospel before? Sometimes you might say you've got gospel music or gospel ministry or gospel. The word gospel is a pretty important word in the kind of vocab of Christians. It's basically just means good news. But it's kind of more than just good news. It's actually kind of good news that's great news. It's, it's good news that is earth-shattering. Think of some good news that absolutely turns your life upside down. Maybe it's the good news that a married couple here, when they've finally conceived a child after waiting so long, Maybe it's the good news you hear when a person you have who is missing is found. Oh, they've found her. Oh, oh. Maybe it's the good and great news when 
when a country hears that they've won the war. Maybe it's the good and great news that we will get when we know that there is a safe and successful vaccine. It is good news that is great news. It is good news that is earth-shattering. And when you hear that kind of news, you need to decide if you're going to believe it or not. Sometimes this kind of news is just too hard to believe. I love the bit in the Bible when Abraham's wife, Sarah, is said, hey, guess what? You're really, really old and you're going to be a mum. And she has a little giggle to herself. It's like, uh, that's uh, either she thinks that's pretty funny or she thinks, I just think that's so funny I can't believe it. Sometimes that massively big news is hard to believe. But we need to believe the good news about Jesus, even though it is almost too good to believe. The fact that even though I am born as an enemy of God, even though my whole life was set about having myself as king, God in his mercy would look at me and say, I love you. I forgive you. And what's more, I will send my son to die for you. It's like, that's pretty good. Hang on. Is this legit? You know, is this a real thing? How could that possibly be the case? It's like, really? It's like if someone walks up to you and says, hey, I want to give you a thousand bucks. You say, okay, really? And they give you the bucks and you look at it and you think, this money's got to be fake. Or, or something. It can't. They couldn't just possibly want to walk up and give me a thousand. They can't. That's not true. Really? Too hard to believe. The good news of Jesus needs to be believed. It's almost mind-blowingly too good to be true, but it is mind-blowingly true, totally, and we need to believe it. And belief involves trust and actions. So if you're in a building and it's on fire and someone says, evacuate, evacuate, you've got to make the choice about whether or not you are going to believe that news. You might say, oh, that guy bangs on about that every single day. He gets up and says, evacuate. He's like, really, mate? The last time he's saying, wolf, wolf. You think, oh, he's crying, wolf. Yet you don't listen to it. It might be that you've heard this very important news, but you've chosen to to not believe it at all because maybe you think that a person is not trustworthy. But when Jesus tells you the good news and says, all you need to do is to come to me, repent and believe this good news and you'll be saved, you've got to say, it's almost too good to be true, but I believe it. And I'm going to believe it. That is going to be an act that I am going to perform. I'm going to trust you enough to say, yes, count me in. When you believe that good news, you are saved. And that is why telling people the good news is such an important thing to do. In fact, this good newsing, this gospeling, or as it's sometimes technically known as evangelizing, this is the most important thing that we can do to someone. Because if you're in a burning building and you know it's burning and someone can't see the smoke or smell the smoke for some reason, you've got to say, you've got to leave. It's too important. You've got to believe me. And so it is with a world that is going to hell. This is good news. This is great news. And you've got to believe it. And we want to tell it to everyone we possibly can. That's why we're meeting together to have Spanish food tonight. Because we're wanting to find out 
how our friends in the Church Missionary Society, CMS, are getting so revved up about telling the world about Jesus. Their vision is a world that knows Jesus. It's like, right, that's what the end point is. How do we get there? And that's their vision statement. And what a vision statement it is. The gospel is the most powerful thing in the universe. And the way it works is by speaking and believing. You've probably heard of the word evangelistic. You might have even heard of evangelical. Both of those words come back to the Greek word for gospel, which is euangelion. So if you kind of see, you write out E-U-A-N-G, it sort of looks like evangelism, right? That's where we get that English word from. When you're telling someone the gospel, the good news, you are evangelizing them. But a church that has at its very core the gospel is not an evangelistic church. I mean, it is, because it does it. But it is an evangelical church. You might be thinking, this is nerdy stuff I don't have to worry about. I'm just sort of making you look good, you see. Because sometimes people want to say, we're going to go out on an evangelic, we're going to have an evangelical speech or address at our school or whatever. Well, it's actually an evangelistic because it's about telling people the gospel. But evangelical means we are, well, good news people. That's who we are. We are people who are pumped up about the good news of Jesus. We are defined by our commitment to the good news. The good news about Jesus is what we want everyone to know and we want to tell everybody all the time. And I think this is why, at our very core, every single person who has believed the good news of Jesus should want to tell others about it. You know, there are some Christians who say, well, the Bible doesn't say all the time you need to evangelize people. Well... That is true if you look, it doesn't go on and say, verse 1, evangelize all your friends. But I tell you what, if you're in a, in a building that is on fire and your friend is there and they have not noticed that it's on fire and they leave, need to leave, what do you, do you love them? You're going to tell them. And if you know how good it is to know the good news of Jesus, you are going to have at your very core the passion to share the good news all the time. You might think, I don't know all the answers. I was speaking to someone recently who's only become a Christian a short while ago. And this person, it's, it's like they're saying, well, people are asking me, what does it mean to be a Christian? And I, I don't know all the answers. I'm just giving them little bits here and there. I think, good on you. You don't have to know all the answers. Just say you love Jesus and it's really good news and you've got to follow him. Something like that. And off you go. Don't worry about saying, oh, stage fright, you know, bunnies in the headlights. Don't worry. Just say, look, I just love Jesus. I trust in him and I know because of because he died for me, I'm going to heaven. There's stuff like that. It doesn't have to be too complicated. We are good news people and we want to get that good news out all the time. That is why our purpose is on about talking. We are talking church. And all the stuff we do as a church is so that we can talk. We need to share the good news that saves. We need to share the good news that saves. So what happens is all the non-Jews who heard the message about Jesus, they then joined the believing Jews in being saved as well. That's what we see in the second half of verse 13. And when you, the non-Jewish people who became Christians, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So how is it that the non-Jews could become part of the family of the Jewish Christians? How do we do that? How do we connect up? How do we come together in that way? 
Well, quite simply, we needed to believe in Jesus. We needed to say yes to the invitation. We needed to get up from our seats and go out the fire exit in that sense. It's not enough to just listen and nod and say, thank you for sharing with me about the need to leave this burning building. I recognise that that's a good thing and a wise move. I know that it will mean that I can be saved from burning if I leave the building. Thank you. I assent to all of that and I want to encourage you for telling people about that. But then you just stay seated and you say, I'll do it another day. You've actually got to believe it. And that is the response to hearing good news. When you believed in Christ, is what it said. When you trusted in Christ, when you said, not only do I trust that you've actually said sensible words about the fire escape, I'm actually going to get up and walk in an orderly fashion out that door and go down the stairs. That is what the believing does. And when that believing happens, it brings massive benefits. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Did you see the reference to the Holy Spirit there? When you or I trust in Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, then Jesus identifies us as his own. It's kind of like he walks up to us and we're over there and we're for sale and he sticks a sold sticker on us. It says, sold to Jesus, stamped right there. He pays a deposit and he says, oh, look, I'll put 50 bucks down on Jody. Okay, I'll come back and pay the full bit later on, but I need to put a sold sticker on him. I mean, probably a better example is, is sort of a little bit like an engagement ring. When someone, guy says, hey, will you marry me? And she says, yeah, radio. And it's kind of, the ring goes on the finger. And then it's like, well, are they married? No. Likely to happen? Well, a pretty expensive ring says, yes, probably going to happen. And that is the seal. That is the, that is the way in which that is able to have that forward planning and say, okay, well, I know it's going to really happen. God seals us as his possession. God seals us as his possession. But you know, there's an even better illustration of this than a sticker that says sold or an engagement ring. Uh, it's actually what you do when you're a cow or when you actually own cows. What does an owner of a cow do? They get this hot brand and then they go up to the skin of the cow and go and burn into their skin their brand, their symbol. They seal them. That is what we see here. God says, I want to get that, I want to free that cow. I want that cow to be mine, to, to go around the green pastures. And hey, it's like, okay, I'm going to let that cow out eventually. But for now, here's 50 bucks and I'm going to seal. Brand. That's mine. It's got God's name on the back. And how does he do that? He stamps the word Holy Spirit on us. We are sealed as his possession, identified as his own. And when we see all of that, we we see it's all about the Holy Spirit who was poured out on non-Jewish believers. In some ways, what we see here in this first chapter of the book of Ephesians is a little bit like what is happening in the book of Acts we've, we've studied together in the last year. Have a look at Acts chapter 10, verses 44 and 45. It's on the screen. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter 
were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, the non-Jews, too. This is what's happened. The Holy Spirit has been poured out, and so people who are not Jews will believe, and they will be sealed by the Holy Spirit in that way. But what does it mean to be sealed in this way? To be identified as Christ's own. Have a look at the first half of our last sentence. 14a. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. See, the down payment of the Spirit is a guarantee that we will get the inheritance he promised. It's a little bit like a will. See, when a will is read after a person passes away, you read the document that says, hey, I want to give my house to my kids. Okay. So when I die, I want to give it, I want to give my wife, and she dies too, then she gives it, I want to give it to the kids. And here's a document that says that. And then that piece of paper is that guarantee, it is a legal document guaranteeing the inheritance. That is what the Holy Spirit does for us. That's what he does. He guarantees our future. The Holy Spirit guarantees our future. And that is a great source of security. We live at a time of great uncertainty, great insecurity. We don't know what the future will hold. How long will we be in this pandemic? When will our borders open up and we can have a normal life? So much uncertainty. But in this fog, there is some clarity. How do we know that clarity? We know it in Christ Jesus. In Jesus is that clarity. In Jesus is that certainty. But how do we know we've got that salvation? The answer is, you know if you are saved, if you've believed in Jesus. Because as you believe in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. He is our guarantee. But how do we receive him? How do we receive this inheritance? How do we receive the wonderful blessings that we saw two weeks ago at the start of Ephesians? What we read is, he has purchased us to be his own people. Jesus purchased us for himself. He paid the money to get us free. He, he, to put it another way, he redeemed us like we were in slaves. He needed to pay for us. And the payment was through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. The price was his blood. That is how he redeemed us. How, that's what he paid so that we could be set free from slavery. That's how he purchased us to be his own people. That's how he purchased us to be his inheritance. We are so special that God would pay for us with the price of his son. It is mind-blowing. It's almost too good to be true. You think, really? It's like someone's giving me a wad of cash. You say, is this real money? Are you serious? You know, am I going to get in trouble for this? No. Just take it. Enjoy it. Bigger than that is eternal life. And you think, at what cost? The death of Jesus. But what does it mean to actually have the Spirit in us? Well, a little mistake that we Christians sometimes make and you may have accidentally made it before, I accidentally make it from time to time as well, is that we talk about the Holy Spirit as though he is an it and though he is a force. 
we kind of talk about the Holy Spirit like it's a Marvel superpower or something like that. You know, you receive this power and then you can do the, you know, jump off buildings and bounce or whatever. It's it's not like that. He is the Holy Spirit. He is God. We said it in the Apostles' Creed earlier on. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. God the Holy Spirit comes into us. And he is a person. He is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of Christ. And when we believe, he moves in. He becomes a permanent residence of us. Mind-blowing, isn't it? That when you're a Christian, these people say, oh, you know, you know, these Christians have been possessed by devils. No, there's no room in there for the devil once the, the Holy Spirit moves in. He spreads his stuff out, right? You are for the Holy Spirit. The moment that you say, I follow Jesus, and he comes in and he helps us, be uni- he unites us with Christ and helps us to know Christ intimately. And this is a great source of encouragement and security. He's the greatest gift that we will ever receive. Because the Spirit, he helps us trust in God. He helps us to trust in God. I've got to say, it is not naturally easy for us to trust in Jesus. It's not naturally easy for us to do this. We don't do it on our own strength even. But when the Spirit leads us to say, I trust in Jesus, we know that the Spirit is real. And we know that having the Spirit in us helps us to love and trust God's Word, even when it just seems hard to do that. We trust God's Word. We obey Him. And we do that even when we are troubled, when we are tempted. Sometimes, we, in those tough times, we kind of you know, bite down in our mouth guard and say, oh, I won't be doing the right thing. Oh, and you're trying so hard. But you know, the Spirit, He lives in us and He leads us to say no to ungodliness. He leads us to say yes to loving the to, be, uh, to, to loving obeying Jesus. We thought about that. cherishing God's word, delighting in following Christ. That is a supernatural thing. And if you have that moment when every bone in your body says disobey God, and you for some miraculous reason say, "No, I choose to follow Jesus." You want to see a miracle? You want to see a work of the Spirit of God? Bam, right there. That's it. That is the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you. The other thing is, the Holy Spirit helps us when we feel down and discouraged. Because he helps us to believe the promises of God. Someone says to you, you know, I love you. You might say, oh, I find that hard to believe that. Sometimes that can be one of the... One of the things that happens when we're in a really dark place. People are saying nice things to me and they're doing nice things to me, but it just doesn't get through. When God says, I love you, I died for you, you are cherished. It is the Spirit of God that leads us to say, I actually believe that to be true. And if the Spirit of God has led you to believe that God loves you, then you have the confidence that the Spirit lives in you. Ephesians 1 is a great bit of the Bible to read if you're feeling down and discouraged. Read Ephesians 1. Every blessing in Christ. Woohoo! 
read and see what God has done for you. And when you read it and it makes your heart flutter, it's the spirit in you. It's the spirit of God. It's when he leads you to recognize the word of God and go, wow. But with all of this, what's the end of this massively long sentence that finishes in verse 14? As I said in previous weeks, it's one big long sentence in the original language from verse 3 to 14. And this is the last bit. And it says, he did this so we would praise and glorify him. That is the ultimate thing, that we would praise and glorify God. The Spirit leads us to know the Father and know our salvation, to know what it means to be saved, and the good news makes us praise and glorify God. We sing out our thanks to God. We tell the world about how good it is to be loved by God. We just can't shut up about it. All we want to do is praise him in the world, glorify him in the world. See, our world at the moment is full of news. A fair bit's reliable. Some of it is unreliable. Some of it is just downright fake. And as technology gets smarter and smarter, we will be influenced by more and more fake news and it will be harder and harder to spot. News matters. Because when we trust news, it changes our mind and it changes our actions. In this pandemic, we are told all sorts of different things. And there can be a range of different viewpoints. What we do with that news will affect the way we live. It will affect our attitudes to others and to our society. Because when we believe what we heard, we, it will affect our actions. And so it is with the gospel of Jesus. When you hear the good news, you've got to work out, will I believe it? Do I trust it? And you might be a person who has spent your whole life saying, yeah, 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 sounds trustworthy, sounds good. But you've never actually got out of your seat and walked through the fire escape. You've got to do more than just acknowledge it as being good news. You've got to believe it. And that's why we want to spread this good news everywhere. That's why we're streaming this news on Facebook right now. I mean, it's to those in our church who can't make it for all sorts of reasons. But it's also to those maybe, maybe you tonight, and I'm looking at the camera right now, maybe you are watching Facebook Live now and you haven't believed in the gospel yet of Jesus. You haven't trusted in the good news. Tonight's got to be the night. Don't just listen and nod. Get out of your seat. Go to the exit door and escape the burning building by trusting in Jesus and him alone. This is why we teach scripture in schools. It's why we stop at the shops and chat to people and talk about Jesus. Because the good news is not fake news. The good news is good news. And it's good news that we need to believe in order to be saved. And friends, that is the greatest good news you will ever hear. And the greatest good news you can ever believe. Let me pray. Loving Father, we are blown away that you would purchase us with the blood of your Son. And we thank you, Jesus, for willingly going to the cross so that we might be united with you in your resurrection. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you live in us 
and that you point us to Jesus and that you give us the ability to hear God's word and to trust him and to be people who put it into action in our lives. And we thank you for the peace that you give us. We thank you for the confidence, for the, for the comfort. And we thank you in all of this for the gospel of our Lord Jesus. This is good news that if we believe it and truly trust it, then we can know that we are saved. Amen. Thanks for listening to Jamaloo and the Lane Church.